As we begin our fourth week in the book of James, let's begin with a word of prayer. Would you pray with me? God, I come for though, come to you for those who are watching uh, in different environments, in their homes, in their workplace. Uh, I pray that the words of the book of James from your word uh, would be uh, encouraging, uplifting, challenging, um, God, and life-altering, and they would lead to life. Um, God, lead them on the path towards life, not towards a path of immaturity and death. So guide us as we examine a few things that are really close to our heart today and, and how we listen, how we speak, and, and how we handle the emotion of anger uh, in our lives, but also how do we handle that when we come to your word. So guide us as we walk through this journey together in Jesus' name. Amen. It's a joy to enter our fourth week in our study of the book of James in our series that we have given a very simple title, Faith with Action. In week one, we set the stage for our study by learning that our author, James, began, began this letter of action with a title of humility, a title of obedience. James, a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ. The book of James, written to the people of faith, followers of Jesus Christ, who had been scattered throughout the region of the world. This book was written in order to grow them up, to encourage them, rather than beat them up. Now, I love James, who carried this title of a servant. Instead of claiming his family tree title as the half-brother of Jesus, he wanted his re readers, his listeners, to know his love for them, his care for them, and his hope for them. He was preparing them for persecution, for trials, for testing. Then, but God's word continues to teach us 2,000 years later. And it continues to teach us that joy is not a manufactured emotion. It is a deliberate attitude built on the promises of God. James knew that the time was coming quickly to those of his lifetime who would face trials of various kinds. And they needed to be prepared for when their faith would be, as we've said, squeezed. Because when our faith is squeezed under the weight of trials and sorrow and confusion, what comes out of us and how it impacts our community, how does it impact those closest to us is what we are examining in this study. We're walking through this book together, not by accident, but by choice. Because in light of the weight of many of the tensions and difficulties in our world, I felt the need to build you up, to lead you to very profound, clear, concise scriptures that will encourage you, challenge you, and mature you. James is not complicated and lofty in his writing. Instead, he writes in a way that if we're willing, we can reach up and as if it were ripe fruit on a tree, we can pull it off. We can reach up, grab a word, a phrase, a command from our servant James and allow it to impact our life. Our scripture for today is James 1, 19 through 27. Let's read through it in its entirety before we go step by step. Know this, my beloved brothers, let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger. For the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. Therefore, 
Put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted word, which is able to save your souls. But be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man who looks intently at his natural face in a mirror. For he looks at himself and goes away and at once forget what he was like. But the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty, and perseveres, being no hearer who forgets, but a doer who acts, he will be blessed in his doing. If anyone thinks he is religious and does not bridle his tongue, but deceives his heart, this person's religion is worthless. Religion that is pure and undefiled before God, the Father, is this, to visit orphans and widows in their affliction, and to keep oneself unstained from the world. Nine verses. Listening, speaking, anger, be hearers and doers. Take care of those who can't care for themselves. Control your speech. And if that's not enough, let God's word examine you, change you, and work through you. Thank you, James. That is quite enough for one session. James, we get it. Our character must match our claims as followers of Christ. We cannot impact or shape our community when our character, how we care for others, when it does not line up with our claims as followers of Jesus. And while we could spend our entire time applying these lessons from these nine verses to our character and our conduct, I believe the message from this section of James is not simply character conduct training. James is really going to, while addressing some of our most frequent struggles with our character, he's going to take us back to the basics of how we prepare, how we receive, and how we act upon the instructions we receive from God's Word. How we listen how we react, and how we take action when we hear God's Word taught reveals the path we truly desire. Even His subtle yet direct and loving opening of verse 19 begins this way. Know this, my beloved brothers. If you would have been reading this letter in the time of James, in the original language, it would have sounded a little bit like this. This you know, or yes, I know you're already aware of what I'm about to say, but you need to hear it again. This is James' polite way of saying to his readers then and to us now, you already know what I'm about to tell you, but you may have forgotten it. It's the same idea when you say to your children, I, I know you haven't forgotten to do your homework, but just in case, let me remind you. Or you send somebody a, a text or an email that says, I just wanted to make sure that you had this on your calendar. It's a gentle way of saying, listen up. He also reminds the early followers of Jesus that, that he is not someone from the outside trying to give them wisdom. Rather, he is a fellow Jewish Christ follower. He says, as he did previously, and he'll say again, 
my beloved brothers. He's giving them instruction, but he has the temperament of someone who deeply cares about his readers. He does not want to turn them away before he really gets going. So the passage continues. Know this, my beloved brothers, let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger. For the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. Therefore, put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted word, which is able to save your souls. Here's the instruction from James. The instruction on how to take in and respond to God's word. A few things about responding to God's word. He says we must be quick to hear. Eager is the idea. Prepared, ready to hear. So let me continue by asking you a question. What did you expect when you turned on your screen or your device to watch the message today, you, you logged in, whether it's on YouTube or Vimeo or our church website, and you, you got yourself prepared to watch the message. Here's what you probably expected. You expect the message, the sermon, to be about 30 to 38 minutes. You expect, as you should, me to be prepared with a message that I've thought about considered, prayed about, written, and walked through out loud. And by the time it comes around to a camera on Thursday, and then again, a couple more times on a Sunday morning. At times we become so accustomed to what we expect to hear that we may or may not hear anything at all. So let's try something a little different today. What if I changed it up? What if, now this is only a what if scenario, this is not real, but pretend that it is. What if today I stopped and said, church, online viewers, today is your lucky day. Someone has given the church $1 million and they would like for me to divide the money to everyone online or in person this weekend. Again, disclaimer, this is only an illustration. No one has given us a million dollars or a nickel for me to give away in this manner. What that would mean if, that means if normal attendance from a weekend were happening, you could, if this were real and it's not, then you could receive an estimated $15,000. But in order to get it, you would have to do something. I would give you five numbers you would have to walk into the lobby and you would have to share them with someone. The trick is, you can't write the numbers down and you can't ask for help. You can't put them in your notes on your phone. You have to remember it. And then you would have to recite the five numbers. Now I know. A few of you would quickly figure out a plan. You may lean down the aisle. You get the first number, you get the second, you get the third, you get the fifth. Got it. Then you'd go in the lobby and share. Nope, can't do that. Others of you would just stop. And you would stop looking at your latest Facebook post and you would go, Whoa, did I hear him correctly? Did he say, if I memorize five numbers, I can walk out the lobby and get $15,000? 
your expectation for the morning would be far from your mind. You would stop thinking about the ball game that's coming on on a Sunday afternoon. You quickly forget about the screaming kid in your car that happened maybe if you were coming to the church, on your way to church. All you want to know are those five numbers. Give it to us one time. I would if this was for real, and it's not. For those few seconds, I would have the undivided, undiverted, unwavering, listening ears of every person in this room. No one would be talking. No one would be texting. No one would walk out to go to the restroom. You'd be locked in to hear those five numbers. At that moment, you would be quick to hear, eager to take the information you are hearing and placing it deep in your mind, Please help me remember these five numbers. This is the idea from James. It is an active listening. It is a taking what we are hearing and praying for, hoping that, working towards, meditating on God's word to infiltrate our heart, soul, and mind. Actively listening. Quick to listen eager to gain the information and allow it to inform me, to transform me, to launch me into action. James is not simply saying be quick to listen only in your relationships, but be quick to listen to hear the word of God preached, eager to hear the word of God and expect it to move your heart, your soul, and your mind. But if that scenario were true about the giveaway, and I wish it was, you would be quick to listen. But the second command in verse 19 would also take place. You'd be slow to speak. Specifically, I want us to see slow to speak in our reaction to God's word. One of the greatest challenges I face when I'm in a personal conversation is being slow to speak. Maybe you have the same struggle. I'm sitting I'm talking, we're sharing stories, someone shares theirs, and then boom, I want to share mine. We're not even listening intently because we're busy preparing what our rebuttal will be or our story that sounds greater than theirs. But Proverbs says, when we close our lips, we gain wisdom. Even a fool who keeps silent is considered wise. When he closes his lips, he is deemed intelligent. Proverbs again says, do you see a man who is hasty in his words? There's more hope for a fool than for him. Our world is full of outlets for people to speak their mind, to give a quick response behind the wall of a social media platform. But James says, as we approach the word of God, we must do something radically different. We must not spout back our thoughts We must not be prepared to try to one-up the person near us, but instead we listen intently. We pause in our speech and we are slow to anger. Slow to anger, for the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. The grammar of this verse, of verse 19, is interesting because James does not say be quick to listen and slow to speak 
and slow to become angry, which feels as if they are three separate thoughts. That would imply that they're three different reactions. But what we should do is view the three of these almost as a piece of chain with three links hooked together, latched together, working in harmony, quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to anger. Quick to listen. All right, James, I'll work on it. Slow to speak. I'll try harder. Slow to anger. Now you're getting personal. But let me ask you to place these three words not only on your relationships, which can easily be applied. If you want to read a few verses on anger and its impact on relationships, You can read Colossians chapter 3, Galatians chapter 5, Matthew chapter 5, verse 22 through 24, just to name a few. Anger we know in relationships tears them down, alienates us from others. It negatively impacts our parenting, our work, even some of us in our driving, our reactions. But slow to anger. I want to ask you for today to take these three words and apply it to your reading, studying, and listening of God's Word. Slow to anger. Anger rejects rebuke or correction. Peace accepts it. Anger dismisses correction. Peace embraces it. Now, over the years, I've had a dozen reactions to sermons. Let me just share a few with you. Great job, preacher man. Or... You sure shucked the corn today. I don't, still don't know what that means. Oh, you sure let us have it. Or the most popular, you were stepping on our toes today. Now, I realize those are phrases that we say to preachers and teachers of the word, but the truth is, There are times when God's word delivers hard truth to us about our lives, our actions, our lifestyles, myself included, a pattern of sin, a behavior, a relationship, a situation. And I have, and maybe you have encountered over the years, a few moments where people are angry at me or you over something that we take directly from God's word. My desire is always to preach the truth to you with compassion and love. But there are times when that truth hits close to a nerve and we must ask ourselves, am I rejecting correction or am I embracing it? Scripture says about itself. In Hebrews 4.12, For the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of the soul and of the spirit, of joints and of marrow, and discerning the thoughts and the intentions of the heart. And no creature is hidden from his sight. But all are naked and exposed to the eyes of him to whom we must give an account. When a sword pierces the soul, does that feel good? It's going to hurt. It's going to cause pain. It's going to leave a mark. When we really stop to listen, to cease talking and accept the correction of Scripture, it's going to bring some things to light that we don't want revealed. Will we be angry? Will we stop listening? Will we talk our way out of the moment? Please know, the Apostle Paul told a young minister 
All scripture is breathed out by God. It is profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. The focus of these verses is not simply character training, but for us to be used by God for his great works. You have to see the action of the word of God in these verses, 19 through 27. Let me walk you through what James says about the word. The word of God, scripture, that we are to be quick to listen to, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. The word of God outlines things that we are to lay aside. He says in verse 24, 21, therefore put away all filthiness. Colossians tells us in chapter 3, verse 5 through 9, in order for the word to become deeply rooted, we must uproot the sin. This truth is monumental for the church to understand. Could it be that the majority of our struggles to grasp the clarity of Scripture is not due to misunderstanding, but because of sin that we are keeping in our lives? We must get rid of. The Word of God outlines our proper attitude to receive instruction. Again, verse 21, to receive the word with meekness. This means to take scripture and receive it with humility. Not always listening to scripture with someone else in mind. I was reminded this week in a training that I was a part of how often we listen to scriptures or read scriptures and we impart someone else in the moment. Oh, I know who could use this. But it says, receive with meekness, with humility, God's word. It's about you. Not only is the word of God to be received with meekness, but the word of God must be implanted in our hearts. Again, verse 21, the latter part, and receive with meekness the implanted word. This word implanted, Engrafted, it is a picture of someone planting a seed in good soil. Jesus examines our hearts as soil in Mark 13 and how the word of God grows, but the word must be received. Our hearts must be ready. James also says that the word has the power to save our souls and receive once again, verse 21, and receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save your souls. The word can create something new in us. It contains the truth of the message of Jesus Christ. It brings about that path, that desire, that new life. The word is given to save us. Think about yourself as a person in or someone else who's in danger for their life. The wrong way to be rescued is to fight the person coming to save you, to not listen, to speak over them, to be angry because their way of saving you is not your way. We are to come to God's word and allow it to be implanted. The response of receiving the word of God is acting on the word. Verse 22 through 25 tell us 
But be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man who looks intently at his natural face in a mirror. For he looks at himself and goes away and at once forgets what he was like. If you were getting dressed for a wedding, you're in the wedding. You're a part of the wedding party and you've spent your money. You have bought a certain suit or a tuxedo. Ladies, you have a specific dress. You get prepared. Gentlemen, you, you tie your tie and then you do what? You will go and you'll stand in front of a mirror. You'll inspect the tie. Is it straight? You'll make sure the, the buttons are buttoned correctly and you have the right pieces in and you're correctly dressed. But a mirror has a purpose. It shows you the necessary changes you need to make to be ready for the wedding. If you have no intention to straighten your tie or make the changes, the mirror is simply a piece of glass hanging on a wall. James says this word, God's word, that if we listen to it, if we will stop talking and trying to give our two cents, if we will be convicted by change and not run away from His Word in anger, then this Word can save us, realign our hearts, and it can serve as a mirror to stand in front of us and to examine us. If we are only a hearer of the Word of God, we take a quick glance, but we don't see anything that we need to fix. Verse 25, but the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty, and perseveres, being no hearer who forgets, but a doer who acts, he will be blessed in his doing. James is not describing someone with poor memory or poor hearing ability, rather poor priorities. The word of God brings something else that you need to see that James tells us in this passage. The word of God brings liberty. We learn the joy of freedom as we learn the art of obedience. I remember teaching our children to swim. They, they went from a swim ring to the little orange floaties on their arms. And then before you know it, they were jumping off the diving board, swimming from one end of the pool to the other, learning to dive to go deeper than they ever had been before. The goal of teaching them is how to swim is not to say, well, great. Now you've learned to swim, put the floaties back on. Stay, even though you know how to swim. If you could, just stay in the water that only comes up to your shins. No, the reason we learn to swim is to be free to swim, to jump in, to float, to dive in, or maybe one day go snorkeling and experience things that you've never seen or imagined before, and to use that newfound gift of swimming in miraculous ways. As you and I become more in line with and obedient to God's word, we learn it has guidelines, it has wisdom, it has direction for our lives, and it is to deliver us to the joy of freedom, the beauty of liberty. Do you want liberty, freedom, not bound by wickedness, that's outlined in verse 21. Do you want forgiveness when you sin? Do you want to act upon God's word and be a blessing to others? Be doers of the word. 
not only hearers. But in order to do that, we must examine. James is reminding, how do we come to, how do we approach, what do we expect when we hear the Word of God preached? What's our attitude? What's our response? So a few questions relating to this scripture today. Do you humbly ask God to plant His Word in your heart? Have you stopped listening to the Word of God? Let me pause here. Has it confronted you and convicted you and your reaction has been anger? Instead of being corrected and set free? Are you interrupting God's word with your words? I know what you say there in that passage, God, but, well, here's what I was thinking. Are you interrupting God's word with your words? Have you shut out the instruction of God's word because you're angry that the word of God has corrected you? As we said earlier, have you forgotten the freedom that can be found in God's word? Remember, James begins this nine, verse, nine verses that we have examined today by stating, know this, you already know, my beloved brothers, let me tell you how important the word of God is and how we receive it. If you've grown up in church like me, nothing today that I've shared is new. In fact, you've heard it many times, but how we listen, how we react, and how we take action when we hear God's word taught reveals the path we truly desire. Based on your response to his word, which path are you pursuing? My prayer is that today's message would prepare you, prepare me, not just for today, but for in the future, when I hear God's word preached, when I read his word, when I meditate on it, when I study, that I would grasp the power to free us, to cleanse us from unrighteousness, the freedom of God's word to send us out, to become doers rather than only hearers of the word. Would you pray with me today? God, I come to you with this word that for many listening will be repetitive. It was for James as well. In fact, he says, you already know these things, but they needed a reminder, and so do I. God, may I come to your word to prepare it to preach with humility, understanding its incredible power. May I come to your word personally and know that it is here to examine me, to explore the deepest regions of my heart, and for me to pull out and put in its place the implanted Word of God. I know these things. 
most watching this will know these things. But for those who haven't, for those who do not, I pray that today that you would open their eyes to how they can come to your word. Not with preconceived ideas. Not quick to speak over the word. Not with ears that are closed because of what they have heard in culture about faith or Christianity or Jesus or even the Bible, but they would pause and focus on your word. God, that they would take time and not be angry and they would trust you. God, guide us as we examine your word, each of us today. In Jesus' name, amen. Each week as we are walking through our series on James, we are trying our best to post for you a study guide, some follow-up notes for you, whether it's at home or in your small group. Those are on our website under the sermon for the day. You can click week four study guide. Or if you'd like to receive that uh, to your cell phone or to your device, you can text us very simply 94000. That's the number. And then text us the word James Guide. One word, no spaces, or it won't work. All right? We love you, my beloved brothers and sisters in Christ those who are pursuing Jesus, may today's word help us examine our hearts as we examine his word.